Thank you, worship team, for leading us in song this morning. Uh, on this particular Sunday, we just want to spend a few moments to recognise two important ministries at JICF, which begin uh, this week and into next week. That's The Rock and uh, Verity as they begin their new year. Uh, the Rock started online this morning with classes at 9am and 10am under leadership of Mimi and her team of teachers. They continue to provide an effective ministry. And I encourage you parents, if you haven't already signed up your children, um, that you do so and uh, join those classes. Uh, Verity teens are joining this service this morning, so welcome to them. And our new coordinator, Joel, will bring uh, the sermon to you in just a moment. They start online classes next Sunday, but they are still in urgent need of two or three teachers to help uh, make sure we cover all the needs of Verity and the teenagers. So if you are uh, still interested in that, please contact Mona regarding teaching. I wonder if you now just join me uh, in prayer as I commit the year uh, to Verity and Rock um, to the Lord. Let's pray together. This morning, Lord, we place into your hands the work we do with our wonderful children at the Rock. Please lead the teachers by your spirit as they teach, guide and care for each one of the children. Lord, these children are all treasured members of our church family. We know they have good plans and purposes for their lives. And we thank you for blessing us with these children and also the young people of Verity. We pray for the young men and women in Verity. Shine your truth into their hearts. May they hear you in music, see you in art, and experience you through the love and care of their family, friends and teachers. Lord, build your hope into their lives. May they sense this hope rise in their hearts as they encounter the power of God's word week by week. Come and sow your wisdom into their minds. Lord, may they discover wisdom as they read the Bibles, discuss deeper issues of life, or encounter hardships and difficulties. May this new generation of your men and women begin to know you more. And Lord, we pray for all the teachers of our rock and verity. Just as you told Peter, feed my lambs. May our teachers be enabled to teach and train your children in this way of life. Grant teachers your wisdom and knowledge that they may also share it with the children and young people to help them grow spiritually. May your Holy Spirit work through them and strengthen them as you've called them to serve through the ministry of teaching. So Lord, bless the beginning of both these ministries this morning. And we ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's my privilege this morning to introduce to you Joel, who is um, standing next to me. Joel is from Kenya originally, and he's been studying in Indonesia for four years um, through Palita Harapan. He has a bachelor's degree in secondary education with a minor in uh, biblical studies. Uh, Joel is uh, also at the moment our new uh, part-time variety coordinator taking over from Sally and uh, welcome Joel to JICF this morning and uh, he's now going to share with us uh, from the word of God and we look forward to hearing you. Thank you. Thank you. 
hello church hello church uh, friends and families joining us uh, visiting us today uh, if you haven't met yet uh, my name is Joel Salangat and I help with the youth ministry here at JICF as a coordinator together with Sanjay and Hali as the directors and uh, Rod as the overseeing elder. It's such an honor for me to share from the scriptures with you this morning. We have been going through a sermon series called Things That Matters and I have a privilege to continue that series as Verity and the Rock Ministries plan to resume for the academic year 2020, 2021-2022 this coming Sunday and next Sunday. Many will agree with me that children are important to us as a church uh, because they are important to God. Discipleship, is uh, discipling the next generation is in the heart of our church. That is why uh, the reason why we have ministries like the Rock Children Ministry and uh, Verity Youth Ministry here at GICF. Uh, the title of today's sermon is Discipling the Next Generation. But I want to acknowledge outside uh, uh, the gate here that I, I, I consulted sources in preparation of this sermon uh, alongside with my own study and understanding of the Bible. Uh, so what I'm going to share is not only from me, it's also from outside sources. However, when you start talking about what does it look like to disciple the next generation, it prompts all kinds of questions. Who is responsible? Uh, how are we going to go about it? What do we even say to them? What do we really pass down to them? What are the threats or challenges that we are going to have to look out for? How are we going to seek to give the next generation the truth that God has revealed in, in such a way that they are captivated and intrigued by it, not bored by it? We'll try to answer some of these questions because I believe Psalms uh, 78 verses 1 to 8 will help us to answer this question. With this in mind, let us turn our attention to Psalms 78 verses 1 to 8. And I will read through the Psalms using the ESV uh, Bible translation. Psalms 78 verses 1 to 8. Give ear. O my people, to my teaching, incline your ears to the words, uh, to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from old, things that we have heard and known, that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but we will tell the next generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might, and the wonders He has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which is commanded our fathers to teach their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and rise and tell to their children, so that they, will sh they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandment. And, and they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose hearts were not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. That is the word of God. Here is the uh, one thing for today's sermon. The Great Commission is not only for the gospel to reach to the end of the earth, 
but it, it must travel down from uh, down from one generation to another. The Great Commission is not only for the gospel to reach to the end of the earth, but it must travel from one generation to another. This sermon will have three parts that illustrate what these psalms meant to the children of Israel and what we should learn from Esau in discipling the next generation. The first part will be gaining the attention of the people of God. The second part is teaching one generation to avoid errors and mistakes of previous generations. And the third one will be more of a life application, the three things or the instruction we learn from Esau in discipling the next generation or our children, our children in our church. Let us pray. God, the truth that in this passage are extremely significant drops in the 21st century. This song written 3,000 years ago has continued relevance and will continue to have relevance until Jesus returns. So will you please, God, hide us, uh, guide us to, into the truth of this passage? Will you please open our eyes to behold the wondrous uh, things that are found in this word? God, we need you to do that. We need you to help us do the things we haven't done yet. We need you to help us live in ways that we are not living right now in light of this passage. Open our eyes, not only see the words on our paper, but see words come to life. Help us to see the truth in these Psalms and do to the next generation what this passage says. Amen. Church, throughout the sermon this morning, I'll repeatedly say your children or our children. And if you're a parent, I'm obviously talking to you. But even if you don't have children or not currently having children at home, this, this message also applies to you nonetheless. The scripture tells us uh, that the church is a household of faith and we are the family of God. So the children here in our church are our children as we all share the responsibility to disciple the next generation. Before we dive in into the preaching for today, let us consider the original passage of these Psalms. As the title suggests, the Psalms is from Esau. We learn in First Chronicles chapter 16 uh, to chapter 18 that Esau was a Levite in the court of David, King David, who was both a music leader and a poet. He belonged to the family of the Levites, whose job was to teach. This is a very long passage, a long Psalms which report the history of Israel from Egypt all the way to the reign of King David. Esau wrote several other uh, Psalms, including Psalms 50, uh, Psalm 73 to 78, but Psalm 78 is a, as a whole is a special psalm. It retells the rhythmic uh, history of Israel, rebellion, redemption, wrath, sin, forgiveness, and mercy. It, it tells us the story of Israel was always breaking God's covenant, while God always keep it. But we are not going to focus on the whole uh, psalms today. We will pay close attention to only verses 1 to 8 
with that in mind, let us start to look into the first point. Gaining the attention of the people of God. Gaining the attention of the people of God. So basically, what, what Asap is saying here is he's calling attention. He's calling attention of the people of God. Give ear, all my people, to my teaching. Incline your, your ears to the word of my mouth. He's saying, listen. What he's going to do, he said this in verses 2. He's going to speak in a parable. I'll open my mouth in a parable. I'll utter dark sayings from the old. You may be familiar with this word parable. This verse is actually used again in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 13, verses 34 to 35. When Jesus said all these things, Jesus said to the crowd in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. So you see that how Jesus made his points, he told stories. He shared the word of God. He gave illustrations in ways for them to understand what he was talking about. And this is exactly what Esop is doing. He's going to do. He's going to tell the parable. This is a dark saying of the old, something which is hard to hear. And it's hard to say, too. Not easy for him and the recipients of the, of the Psalms, too. This, this is his way of communicating the history of the children of Israel and the commitment they are going to make to pass that on from one generation to another. In verses 3, he's going to communicate. That is what he's going to communicate. He says, things that we have heard and known, that our fathers have told us, things that have passed down toward us. This is something which is familiar to him. Something somebody has, someone else has told him. He's, someone has taken time to tell him, and he's going to pass it on. I'll do this. We see that in, uh, in, in verses 2 and 3. He say, I will do this. I'm going to do this. But now he's switching to something which he has had and the fathers who have told him. Notice how he's swifted, uh, shifted perspective from I to we, from a personal responsibility to a shared commitment, a community commitment. See in verses 4, uh, he said, we will not. We will not hide from our children. So he's gone from speaking for himself. And now they are speaking collectively. They are speaking as a congregation of Israel. They are singing this song and saying, this is a commitment that we are going to make as a people. This is something we are going to do. We will not hide from our children. Notice he's not even saying we are not going to hide from our children. He's saying, their children, their children. We see here that Esau is not actually talking about the current children they have. He is talking about, he's bridging the gap. If you will, he's talking about the ancestors. He's talking about their children not yet born, the children of those children, the great-grandchildren. 
and the descendants. He's responsible in doing this. So he's trying to pass that on to the next generation. Notice how he say again in verses, in verses 7. They're going to pass that on. Esop tells us that we, what he's going to say in the rest of the chapter, they're going to tell them the glorious deed of, the God, of God. And he is mighty. And the wonders he has done. The question we, uh, we might ask ourselves here is, he is, here is why he's going to do this. Why is he bothering? The reason is because he's going to tell the next generation. Let's see, uh, this leads us to the second point. Teaching the next generation to avoid errors and mistakes of the previous generation. Teaching one generation to avoid errors and mistakes of the previous generation. As I wrote uh, in verses 5, he established a testimony in Jacob. This is what they are going to share, which he commanded our fathers. This is not just trying to retain the history of Israel or the cultural heritage. Or it's just or just tell their stories of the ancestors. It's not like a, a one or let's say a, a year resolution, new year resolution. This is something they need to do. It's not an oral tradition. They are obligated to pass on. They're going to do this because God has established a testimony. A testimony, not just Israel. This is God. God lifted them out of Egypt. God lifted them out of Egypt. And we see that in Exodus chapter 20, verses 1. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Israel, uh, out of Egypt. And you can see this in all repeated in other scriptures. He established a covenant with Israel and he will be there, their God, and they will be his people. Israel is trusted. He has chosen to be a guardian and the proclaimers of the word of God to the next generation. Each generation has to respond to this call of attention, pass that on down to another generation. You see in verse 6 that the generation might know them, the children not yet unborn. If you look at this first, there are actually four generations at play here. That is going to be passed down to their children, and then the children who are yet to be born, and that those children can pass down to other children. It's generation after generation after generation. Where they go in turn, trust to the next generation. He say in chapter uh, in verse seven, so that they should set their hope in God. Now we are going to see why they need to tell them. They should not be like their fathers. So we see here that Aesop has a purpose. It's not just they are teaching for their own sake. It is so that their children will come to know God and put their faith and trust in God. They are going also uh, hoping that they can keep his commandments and cannot be like their ancestors. Where he goes from here, verses 9 to the end of the Psalms, that is 78, is going to illustrate the history of the Israelites, how they rebel and how God actually come back to them. Going back about how they forgot all the things that God has done, the silent point here is they are not the hero of the story, but God is. 
The question which we could ask here is, what does these psalms mean to us here at JICF? Especially in discipling our children, both in the rock and in verity. Our children and teen ministry missions are to guide them in God's truth, to plant a seed of hope and godliness in them. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it tells us the purpose of Psalms like this one. It tells us that it's not only about the history of Israel. It tells us that these things were written down for us and so that we could actually use and emulate as an example to disciple and shepherd our children. We'll go through these phases one, once, uh, once again as we look three instructions or three things we could learn from Esau in Psalm 78 in discipling our children here in our church. So the first reason is asking who is responsible. We started by asking a few questions. Who is actually responsible to do this? We see in verses 5, he say, he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed that, uh, a law in Israel which commanded our fathers to teach their children. So what you see clearly from this text is that the primary duty is landed on fathers, parents, to bring their children in the ways of the Lord, to help them walk in his commandment. I don't think this actually is saying exclusively the parent's responsibility. I think here we learn that it's a corporate, a congregational church responsibility as well. I'm convinced for this uh, for several reasons. First, the word fathers, which is used in verses 3 and 5, does not only refer to dads but can also be used as a word to refer to entire generation. Actually, we see that in other parts of the Psalms, like Psalms, uh, like verses 12, Esau reinforcing, he's stressing that there is a corporate responsibility. A role is given to the entire community entire community of believers to ensure that God's truth is passed down from one generation to another. That we see that coming, the coming generation does not exclusively refer to the kids that we have here in our church today or children who are growing in Christians' home or those even attending Verity or The Rock. We need... Uh, it is the entire generation. And that is why I say we need to partner with parents as a church, those serving in Verity and The Rock, to make sure that this truth is passed down to the next generation. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to engrave that kind of conviction in our hearts, to teach us how to work together as a church and a congregation to disciple the next generation, to raise our children in the Lord. But if this is the sh a shared commitment and a responsibility between parents and, and church or the entire congregation, the, uh, the family of believers, and then how will we teach them? This leads to the second thing or the second reason why we should teach them. 
We teach them by opening our mouths. We teach them by opening our mouths. Teach your children to understand the gospel and share with them your faith. It's something that takes intentionality, something to take uh, for us to open our mouth and teach. Church, God is so concerned with the faithfulness in each generation so that there is faith in the coming generation. Deuteronomy chapter 11 verses 19 tells us, teach them to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk alongside the road, when you lie down and when you get up. I want to ask this question. Do you have an intentional plan for your children to where they will raise where you will raise them up in God or in scriptures. Do you read scriptures together? Do you study doctrines together as a family back home? Do you teach them lessons that God is teaching you in your life, in your own faith? Do you share with them where you are struggling in your faith? Do you trust your children that way? Do you apologize when you uh, fail? Help them to understand that you are not the hero of the story. God is the hero of the story. If we, now I'm talking collectively, as parents and church, do not open our mouth and teach our children, are we not hiding the things of God? Are we not playing hide and seek with our children? As we are keeping the gospel from our children, church, when we close, close our Bibles, when we close our mouths, we are, hiding this, uh, we are playing hide and seek with the next generation. We play hide-and-seek with this generation, and the gospel will never reach to the next generation. Now that we have uh, see the responsibility and how we should carry that responsibility, why do we even bother to teach them? This leads to the third and the last thing we can learn from Ezra on how to disciple our children in our church and uh, in our homes. The first reason is because they uh, so they might have the knowledge of God. Our goal in verity is to equip our teens with the knowledge of God and the tools necessary to grow in their faith, but also to defend and remain firm in that faith as they go out into the world after they graduate in verity. We have alluded this already in number one. Church, God gave us a responsibility to train our children in the Lord. In this digital age, culture is already training them. They're already learning. When they turn the, the computer or TV, they're learning. Social media, they're all learning. And the world is teaching them what actually they want them to learn. So as a church, we want their knowledge of the scriptures to be solid, uh, to be rock solid, so that when they go into the world, they will not be shaken. We get to shepherd them in the Lord. Our church and homes need to be a fertile ground for the gospel. Having the knowledge of God is one of our goals in verity this coming year. And it has always been. We plan to ground our children in the knowledge of God, to help them understand the scope of the scriptures, the relationship between the Old Testament and the New Testament. 
And we welcome parents to continue these lessons that we teach every Sunday in their homes, on Monday to Sunday, so that the gospel will not only be for Sunday morning alone, but it should be a compass, a moral compass that guides everyday lives. The second reason why we need to disciple uh, the next generation is so that they will teach others, so that they will teach others. Paul instructed young Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 2, that the things you have had me saying, say in the presence of many witnesses, to entrust to reliable people who will also qualify to teach. What this means to us is that we disciple this generation. And we are not only teaching them, but we are entrusting them so that they will in turn instruct other people. They will be able to go out and teach other people. This could be a call to the elders, elder parents in our church who understand parenting, who has been down the road, to go back and help each other, help those ones who are new to parenting. What this means is that you walk alongside, parents walk alongside, not only to volunteer, to serve in Verity and the Rock, but walk alongside each other on how to disciple children at home. We see this in Titus 2, verses 2 uh, to 3. Look for someone who has been down the road and learned from them. All the parents in our church, make yourself valuable. The next generation need to be equipped with everything they need so that they will be able to raise the other generation or their children in the Lord. This leads us to our, our last two reasons why we should disciple the next generation. So that they will, get, uh, they will set their hope in God. And John Piper put it this way. The word of God is very clear on this. John Piper put it this way. The word of God is very clear on this. The aim of education is to teach the truth in such a way that young people will come to love, will come to love it and put their hope in God. Change hearts are the goal of education, not more, not just more knowledge. The aim is that they might set their hope in God. Forgetfulness is something that we are all struggling with, especially during this time of online learning, working from home, lockdown, and such. It's easy to forget what God has done and just wallow in darkness. This is also one of the themes that we aim to stress in verity this coming year. We want our teens to understand that God is in charge. God loves them, regardless of their current situation. We want them to understand the importance of having a strong faith in God and set their hopes in God alone. And we welcome parents to continue the, this discussion with their children at home. In a dinner table, discuss with them, what did you learn in Verity today? and discuss them. If they have questions, try to answer those questions for them too. As we conclude, here is the sermon summary. From these psalms, we have learned that the Great Commission is not only for the gospel to reach to the end of the world, but to travel down from one generation to another. And the church and parents share this responsibility and the commitment to disciple the next generation.
This is your responsibility as parents. This is not necessarily just the church, but neither is meant to raise children in isolation. Parents need each other. We are not perfect teens ministry. We are still growing. Verity Small Group is resuming next Sunday, August 15th. So as those who, are, who serve in Verity, on behalf of those who serve in Verity, I want to, uh, to extend a partnership with parents, to partner with you to make sure that we pass the baton, we pass the torch to the next generation so that we can point the children to the cross. We cooperatively take this responsibility as a church and as parents to raise the next generation in God. Let us pray. God help us to partner with each other, collectively as a church, parents, and those who are serving in our children ministries. Equip us with the knowledge, expertise, and understanding of your word so that we can pass this truth to the next generation. Holy Spirit, we ask you to help us as a church, as a family of believers, to live out and apply the truth that we have studied this morning in our discipleship and in our parenting. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.